Hi, it's Dr. Neil Sivola, and my guest for this episode is Dr. Patricia Bailey. Dr. Bailey has a PhD in cell biology from the University of Basel in Basel, Switzerland. She was also a postdoc fellow in the Department of Cell Biology at the Baylor College of Medicine. She got her DVM from Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine in 1999. She's certified in veterinary acupuncture from IVIS. She's certified in veterinary Chinese herbalism from the Chi Institute, and she's also a fellow of the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture. Dr. Bailey's practice is a traditional Chinese vet veterinary medical exclusive, and she's in the Houston area. She's a solo practitioner. She's also on the research committee for the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. She's a VIN consultant on the Alternative Medicine Board, and she's a past president of the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture. She's an internationally known speaker that uh, lectures on traditional Chinese veterinary medicine topics. Uh, outside of her practice, she's an accomplished fiber artist and teaches Aikido. Please join me for an interesting conversation with Dr. Patricia Bailey. Dr. Bailey, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Neil. So did you grow up in Texas? No. No, I did not. I was born in Fullerton, California, not far from Disneyland, huh. and grew up in Huntington Beach. And um, then there was a man, and I went to Cape Town and then to Switzerland, where I did my PhD. Yeah. Where, where did you do your undergrad studies? University of California, Irvine. But actually, um, it was the 80s and California, so actually a lot of places, but graduated from UCI. Gotcha. And then to yeah. Cape Town. And then what, Cape Town. And you, you, because yeah, there was a you University went there for a guy. of Cape Town. A University of yeah. Cape Town professor. Right? Yeah. And then um, it was the it was nineteen eighty five and the middle of a state of emergency. And so he left his professorship and we went to Switzerland. To Basel to work yeah. for, um, and I uh, got my graduate position at the Basel Biozentrum, where I did cell biology. So, what was your th was your thinking when you started the program that you wanted to do? Go into industry after, or stay in academics, or yeah, I was going to be a professor. There? I was going to stay in academics. Yeah. I was a geek, you know, basic science, yeah. hardcore, hardcore sure. basic science, yeah. And then postdoc after, yeah? Postdoc for four long and painful years at Baylor College of Medicine. Wow. So what brought you back to, to Texas then, or back well, to the States? Well, actually, my postdoc brought us back to the States. But what really brought us back is that's where the my husband's associate professor position was. We had, yeah. we had three choices. Um, Newfoundland, Montreal, and Houston. And it took us, I'm not joking, it actually took us three weeks to figure out that Houston was warmer. So the colonial <laughs> African and the Californian were like, Houston, it is. Um, also, the wow. job looked better. But, but that's kind of how we ended up in yeah. Houston. Huge, because Houston has this huge medical center, the Texas Medical Center. And I yeah. knew that, you know, as a postdoc, you're kind of your cheap labor, right? You can get a postdoc literally anywhere because yeah. you're, you're educated and, and they need somebody to work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week for virtually nothing. 
Sure. And you were still on the track, like, I'm, I'm going to do the academic thing. Right. I was, I was still on, on the academic track. And um, I, I was three or four years into it when, and the granting situation was at about, they were funding to the, about the 10th percentile, which is not optimal. There was also rules in some universities that if you didn't get an R01, which is a, the, that's the funding grant for, for owning your own lab, basically. If you didn't have an R01 in yeah. seven years, you were fired, which meant potentially ah. you could spend 70 hours a week for seven years working on something and not have a job at the end of it. All right. Yeah. So, so I when did the idea of vet school come into the picture? Because I needed a clinical degree and humans are icky. Yeah. 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 So, and actually the, so the swear- other thing I was seeing is that I potentially I could do lab animal medicine and ha- and be on what's known in academics as hard money, as in other people would get the grants and I could just work for them still doing research but not having to deal with the whole granting situation. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I went off to vet school to be a lab animal medicine doctor. But on my way there, I needed to get some large animal experience because I had almost, you know, I, I touched a horse, but not much beyond that. And and so I went to work with this vet, Buff Hildreth, who who's still practicing in the south of me, who did integrative equine medicine, but I didn't know it at the time. And she had ah. taken the acupuncture. She had taken the IVIS acupuncture course in about the second or third year they gave it. And she'd okay. never gotten herself certified, but she used it. And this was 92, 93, yeah, somewhere around there. And that's when I got introduced to acupuncture. Wow. So do you, do you feel like you're the PhD and the postdoc, did that, that kind of set you up for success for vet school? <laughs> a little better than someone coming straight from undergrad? You know, the year that I got into vet school, which was the 95 year, so I, I'm a 99 vet school graduate, uh, they let three PhDs in my class. And... I yeah. uh, don't think they'll ever do that again, because there's a big difference between somebody, well, you know, between PhD training and clinical training. And the people who do clinical training yeah. aren't really taught to ask questions. And the people who do their PhD are basically taught only to ask questions. And the clinical professors right. weren't always fond of the either the looks or the questions that the three PhDs provided in the class. Um, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I remember asking, but you had. To- you want me to finish? I remember asking a, a, a pharmacologist, yeah, my pharmacology prof, what the receptor affinity was for the drug at at the site of the cells and, and, and what was, was he, um, how did he figure out the concentration at that site? And he looked at me like I was, he had never heard that question before. 
And he had no answer to it because, of course, we don't know that, right? They, they can measure blood levels, but they have no idea of true penetrance. And they have no idea of um, so what sort of concentration they have of their drug actually within the tissues, nor of how much goes through the cell membrane or anything else like that. So, <laughs> and I had been a cell biologist, right? That was like, that, sure. was, like the first, that was where I started. Yeah in thinking about things interacting and within cells. So, right. Right. So yeah, no, I don't think they want to do that again. So, but for you, it must've been at least from a work perspective, I mean, a organizational and maturity perspective. I mean, you'd used to be bumped around academically and, you know, not as sensitive to the the workload. Um, well, so anatomy kicked my butt, which is, it's ironic that I became an acupuncturist um, because I wasn't, I'm not good. I'm still not good at memorizing things. And I, I couldn't draw a system. I, I could do physiology. I could teach physiology, but I could not do anatomy. So that first year was really hard. But after, after that, yeah, I was now... My husband was still working in the medical center, and I was in College Station. So I was also driving two hours a day, you know, one hour up, one hour back from there. So that cut into my studying. But but it all worked out. Yeah. Graduated. So... Are you so when you're going through vet school? Are you, is this a lab animal thing well, still percolating yeah, along? Yeah, it was like for the first couple of years, but but then you know puppies and kitties are way more fun. Horses are, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like yeah, first exam on a puppy or first exam on on twelve hundred rats. Come on, <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, okay, so. Graduate and Graduate, then off into small animal And practice. because I had worked with Buff doing integrative medicine, I found clinics annoying in, in vet school because I was so used to Buff saying, that's an acupuncture case, that case needs supplements, and this case we fix with conventional medicine, which is not what Texas A&M did, right? Texas A&M, when I... Right. Well... A lot of times when you're in vet school, they're like, well, we're going to do this, but there's no clinical evidence that it works. And in fact, it doesn't seem to work very much, but it's all we've got. And a lot of times those are acupuncture patients, right? Those of us trained, we were like, well, that's an acupuncture patient. And so I had seen Buff fix a bunch of these, right? And so I'd be like, well, we should just acupuncture it. And they'd say, well, we've only got one person who acupunctures. I was like, well, why don't we call them in? Well, I don't think it's an acupuncture case. No, it's an acupuncture case. So I found that really annoying. So I knew when I graduated, and in fact, I interviewed, I I wanted to take the IVIS course basically as soon as I could. So I took the IVIS course um, in fall of 99. And I actually, when I interviewed for clinics, I put it out that that was my plan. And if they were interested in it, you know, and, and asked if they were interested in it. And I went with a guy who was like, yeah, okay, you can take the IVIS course. So it was nice. Where was it the year you took it? At the hotel Waiakaloa. Aloha. Ah. 
And was it everything oh, you hoped? The the, the coursework, the Ivy's that coursework? hurt. The Ivy's horse hurt bad. <laughs> I re- remember sitting next to Rick Schaefer because uh-huh. he and I were both traveling back to Texas after the end of the second um, module and saying, "I have a PhD." I've been through vet school. I don't think I can make it through this. I don't get it. And Rick saying, it's okay. It all starts to get organized. Come back for the third session. It's going to be all right. And it was. You know, you come back and and things start to gel in the third session. You're like, oh, okay. Kind of getting this. But, oh, my. And so I just warn people it's going to hurt when they head off. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You'll get through this. You got through vet school. Right. Right. So <clears throat> got IVA certified, yeah. still in small animal practice. How, um, a few different practices or did you stay no, with the, the one you started um, with about, after graduation? Well, it's complicated because um, my first husband was diagnosed with lung cancer 10 days after I graduated from vet school. So during all of this, Uh, um, we were, you know, dealing with chemo and radiation and everything else. And then he died 11 months after I graduated from vet school. Yeah. And um, uh, so still working for that same boss about six months after that, that boss fired me, but it, it was in part, because that boss basically fired anybody who had their own opinion about medicine. And, and so I, it didn't hurt my mm, feelings that mm-hmm. bad. I had watched a bunch of like really excellent vets be fired by this guy. And I kind of wanted out of my contract by the time he fired me. So it worked out really well. And so I did some relief while I was like, well, And I had already seen a couple of house call patients like behind the scenes while I was working for him. So I thought, uh, what I'll do is I'll work like two half days doing house calls if anybody will hire me. And then I'll do relief and and find a part-time associate gig. And I ended up working for Banfield for another four years. Got a job at Banfield. And worked about 70% time. At, initially, it was yeah. 70% time for them. But as my practice grew, it went down to 40% time. And then uh, at which point, I just you know pretty much left them to go. And, and I didn't think about this when I stopped working for them, that I was expecting my practice to grow 40% that year. But I was lucky, and it actually grew 38% that year. Just by just by opening up that free time. Wow. And I have been Chinese medicine exclusive since then. So. You were from the get-go. And you're doing these I house calls. I was just doing you're acupuncture. I hadn't doing taken acupuncture. the herb course medicine. yet, you know. So I was just doing acupuncture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. There, was, and, there was a and need. And this was... What, 2001 through 2004, right? It was a long time ago. Now. Well. How did you market yourself? This is what was frustrating. Is I actually tried mailings. I tried introducing myself to vets. 
None of that worked. What worked was word of mouth. I just fixed things and friends and they told their friends yep. and they told their friends. And honestly, my whole business is based on word of mouth. I, I was on the IVIS website because I was certified. And so people could Google me and, you know, find a veterinary acupuncturist. I joined AHMA. I was on their website. So I did get, you know, some clients off of there. But for the most part, you know, it, it was word of mouth. And that, yeah, I, mean, I think so too. That's the most, that's the best um, way, I think. I don't think you can force the growth of a practice with a lot of marketing. I think you, but I'm not, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe with the right website, writing a blog would work, you know, but I don't know. I never tried it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, times have changed. I mean, our, our practices are along the similar timeline and that's what worked for me. What you're, what year did you pass? So you were did busy. You graduate. You were busy in. Er, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 90, 99. <clears throat> yeah. So um, herbs. So I, herbs well, had I to be started, put off for a bit. So in two, I just recently actually cleaning something up. I ran across the proceedings in two thousand one. My friend Leon and I went to the. AHBMA meeting and we were trying to decide between going to do chiropractics or do herbs or do homeopathy and I fell into Shay's like intro course and just just I, I was sold I was like I told her I just want to study Chinese medicine I don't care about the rest of that stuff and yeah. Yeah. She, well, did, she, did, did Leon feel the same Leon way? Leon and, uh, you know, she, we've been friends for a long time. And, and basically, I suggest something and she's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> she's, yeah. <laughs> so we Good. started Good. the herb course, I guess, 2002, 2003. And I got herb certified in 2008. You know, we would do one or two modules a year. And, we started just because it worked with our schedule with skin. And I, I, I have to say, don't start with skin. That was not clever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. So you, you did it as you, as you guys could coordinate your schedules and had time. Um, do you feel like taking, I spreading do, it out actually, like that was an because advantage? Because it meant every time I did a module – I came back and just did, well, I did what, what I learned before, but I also really focused on, on what I had just done, right? I didn't have two months or three months. I had a minimum of six months to really integrate that into my practice before I then went on to the next module. And yeah, I think so too. I think, I think you end up retaining a lot more because you're actually using it. Um, uh, so when did Vin come along for you being a, being a, it was, it a moderator, was easy. so to speak, uh, consultant? Well, so the, I had ulterior motives. I was going to take the FAABA exam. And so I, um, uh, yeah. I was like, 
well, I could study these boring books or I could answer these people's questions like I knew what I was doing and maybe get a gig and have VIN pay for my VIN fees rather than, you know, not. So as soon as I got certified, I just started doing that also in prep for the um, FAA VA exam. And it worked really well. And nobody behind the scenes could see just how much time I spent with the books answering those questions. But I looked, I looked really smart on that. Was a real, that was smart. Actually, I still look really smart on paper. And I still spend a lot of time with books behind the scenes. <laughs> Do you remember who PT the other John, consultants were at the Susan, time? PT and John, probably. Rick, yeah. who I had never heard of. Rick Palmquist. And that was it. Am I forgetting? Yeah. No, Don. Don. Don Griffith, yeah. Don Griffith. Yeah, I knew knew there was five of them. Yeah, that was it. And um, it allowed me um, to, to, you know, to really work through a whole bunch of cases that that you can't actually do in any other way of of actual real life cases. That was a, that was a really good strategy. So, did you pass? I have no idea did you pass how, the test on your first how go? well I passed the test. But PT called called both Leon and I and said we passed it. We um, we went to China on Shay's trip, and I think I've got these dates wrong because it seems like all of this sort of happened around 2008. Uh, but we went to China in 2008 too, and the whole time we were on the bus, um, I was <laughs> again. I was like, hey, Leon, let's go on the bus that Shay's on and we'll study for the FAA VA exam. We'll go through his blue acupuncture book. And if we get confused about anything, we can quiz him while we're on the bus. He's basically stuck with us. (laughs) And so we did. (laughs) But that was like the sum, that was kind of the sum extent of our studying. because we only had about 10 days from the, maybe a little bit more from the time, not much more, about two to three weeks from the time we got back from China and took the exam. And Leon decided to go to Japan in the meantime, right after China for an Aikido conference, because she's insane. And then, yeah, we came back and, um, Wow. Took the test. Uh, but we both took it with the feeling that, like, well, if we fail it, then we'll at least we'll know what's on the test. So it'll work out. Yeah. That's, yeah, we took that's it in a good Burbank. Idea. With so we're, you took John. it in, in LA? We, we were the only ones that year. Yeah. Yeah. Who else yeah. took it in your year? And, um, okay, good. Yeah. It's a scary, but it really wasn't that bad an experience. You know, PT and John, although they had been my teachers in, you know, in my IVIS course, and I'd always really looked up to, P- I wanted to be PT, you know, and so they kind of scared me, but it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get exactly what you're saying. They, yeah. uh, they are two of the finest humans I've met. But yes. Okay. So just the ballpark, 
I mean, it's obvious you put a lot of time in on Vin still. How, how many hours per week do you think you're spending? I know it would yeah, vary it based on the caseload, so to speak, in the folder. Some of those but, questions take me 40 minutes or an hour to answer. You know, somebody posts a full case. It just takes a while to work through yeah. and type. Um, I don't know, maybe 10 hours a week-ish. Yeah. 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 And You still and find it educational, like though. I want... I'm trying to bring the babies up, right? I, I want the guys behind me or coming up to be um, to be really good acupuncturists and herbal practitioners because the more of us there are, first of all, the better it is for the community and and also the better it is for the animals. It's uh, uh, you're probably in the same place I am. I can't take every every new client who wants to come and be with me, right? I take what I can, but I, I end up, you know, sending a mm-hmm. lot of them to uh, people I consider, you know, my baby acupuncturists, which I, a lot of these guys I can't think of as babies because they teach themselves too now. So not exactly babies, but you know what I mean. You know, the, um, yeah. I so are you am, still doing, is it still house call practice? I'm trying to limit the house call part and I have a clinic. And, and so... Uh, I'm trying to urge more okay. people to come to the clinic because in Houston, the driving's gotten such that I'm borderline losing money as far as, especially when I compare it to what I can make in, in the clinic without driving around. So you I have so do, you, one, do you have staff um, to assist you? I have one receptionist who actually works from New Jersey because we've been friends for a really long time. And she only works, she basically works an hour or less a day, just making sure my appointments are lined up. And, um, and you know, that Mm -hmm. people are notified that I, you know, she's the chief nag to make sure that I, she's a Virgo. I am a Sagittarius. She makes sure I do what I'm supposed to do. And, and I pay her to make sure that she nags me until yeah. that actually happens. In fact, she's going to be nagging me about my website on Monday. I know that. <laughs> me and GoDaddy have to have a talk, <laughs> and I haven't done it yet. So, like, uh, I handle oh, all of that. So, like, yeah. herb refills, I you're do handling all the ordering, all put all the stuff on the shelves. And, okay. yeah, probably, I, I, I know that I... I I probably should pay somebody to do it, but it really isn't that much. Um, it just gets done. Yeah. And if if one of the junior vets, one of the baby acupuncturists is with me, I make them write all the prescription labels. Yeah. Ah, nice. Nice. So... I, I know one answer to this, but have you branched out into some other styles yeah, of acupuncture um, from, I started from what you were taught studying initially? A few years ago, I started studying with Jeffrey Yuan, and um, now I'm doing mostly classical Chinese acupuncture. Um, I, I also study with Dr. Tan, and I, I, I've yeah. got balance techniques sort of in my hip pocket, and... And I recommend everybody take the Sa'am course that's, um, that's through Geological because that is really useful. So that, so, um, 
the Sa'am that's being taught at Geological, according to Kim Fua Choi, um, it's um, it's not all of Sa'am. She's way better to talk about it than I am. But um, the that Sa'am of the wandering monk, um, it's very helpful. It's a nice way to just sort of shake something loose if you need to shake something loose. I agree. Um, and I see that it just went, yeah. they just developed an online course, and, which yeah, is awesome. and, and, you know, if you're a veterinarian thinking about studying with human acupuncturists, don't, don't hesitate to do it. You can translate the, the animal part yourself. You'll, you'll figure that part out. Um, the theory is, is pretty much the same across everything. The classical it, it is really very interesting, is. isn't it? The and classical approach. I'm about to, next week I'm going to go study with Sabine Wilms, who translated the Divine Farmers of Materia Medica, um, Shannon Ben Sal. Um, I'm saying that wrong, I'm sure. Uh, and it's going to be awesome because we're going to talk about herbs over there. And then I'm going to study some of the um, old herb stuff with Jeffrey in February too. So I'm really looking forward to, I've spent a a lot of time on acupuncture the last few years. I'm really looking forward to now doing this with herbs. Ah, yes. So I'm a big fan of Sabine's. uh, Uh, Will you go to the the island then to study? um, 12, 12 hours with just her and us. Yeah, just the two of us. The two of you, just the two of you. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yes. I mean, I haven't read her obstetrical books or gynecological books, but the rest, uh, I, I simply, they're fascinating. Yeah. I'm, I'm working my way through humming with elephants right now. And, and I just, you know, just like read a section, ponder it, read a section, ponder it. I did the same yeah. thing. I took, uh, I might've taken three months to get through it. Yeah. I should, and now I'm, I should probably pick it up and start again. Yeah. I think the, the classical approach is, is very interesting. I wish we'd had more exposure yeah, to it. I know there's just too much to put yeah. it into a curriculum, but I think it's definitely, yeah, it's worth it's, it for someone who wants to look know, further. Rick Schaefer said somewhere in like the first or second module it, when he was lecturing, he's like, now, you don't expect you're going to know everything about acupuncture at the end of this. And I, and he's like, you're just going to be studying this for forever. And I thought, oh my god, I will never learn this stuff. And um, but he was right. But it didn't hurt as bad as I thought it was going to hurt. It's actually been really a fascinating journey. Definitely. So. Yes. You've done fiber for a long time, fiber arts. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that uh, one of the um, ways you unwind? Then? I knit and I spin and I um, dye fiber. Uh, I, my mom taught me How to long knit have when you I was been doing four. That? I okay. did it before it was cool. 
So you did it before it was cool. Or, you know, I wasn't, I was not cool in, in <laughs> high school or college. So it worked out really well. And, um, <laughs> I also do Aikido and I've done Aikido f- since 92. So yes, coming on to a many, many years. No, I started. So you started 92, in Switzerland, not eighty-two. I was in Switzerland, maybe. Yeah, um, in okay. in my postdoc, Sorry. I started Aikido. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so when you're back at Baylor, and I continue, and I I teach Aikido now, and you've continued that. Um, now, is it a no. is it a coincidence that Leon does as well? <laughs> But you know they okay. have more of an aikido. They have in the Seattle area. So you got they her started. A broader aikido sort of opportunities than uh, we do um, here in Houston. Although I guess we're having more. Um, let's see. So how long have you taught? I don't know. Maybe ten years. My, you know, my teacher uh, sort of ran the week, dojo, and he weekly? died about three years ago and uh, a friend of mine just basically continued it and um, and I I kind of work with him so no weekly, weekly. So, so weekly class or more than more than once a week you're teaching you, yeah. you can't and then do you practice, sort of practice yourself on yourself the, I really need to somebody to grab me or to punch me or to attempt to punch yeah. me as the case may be. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then Aikido responds to the attacker. So yeah, I, I mostly teach to keep my hand in. So, so my muscle memory doesn't disappear. Great. Yeah. Um, anything else games. that you do to unwind? I'm very bad with iPad games. <laughs> Ah, okay. I can entertain myself on a transatlantic flight with my iPad. Anything? A little bit. You guys have done some international travel. You know, when you study Chinese medicine abroad, it's tax deductible, Um, right, Neil? Totally. Legitimately tax deductible. Yeah. So why not study abroad? Right. So you went to China, the, the pre-FAVA uh, um, test. Where, where else have you been the to series, study internationally? Um, the Meridian Sequence series with Jeffrey in Dunleary, Ireland. Um, Dr. Tan, when he was alive in London. And okay, I did it in Colorado too, but it was more fun in London. Um, the Ivis Ivis course, uh, the Ivis conferences, mm-hmm. wherever they happen to be, Glasgow this year. So, you coming? No. Yeah. No, yeah. No. Yeah. You, so, have you made an the effort Ivis to, meetings to are, go to those? Are really to nice the Ivis because meeting. Okay. Uh, first of all, there's a lot of Europeans who have, you know, the French uh, uh, acupuncture is a little bit different. Than the Chinese acupuncture, it's uh, uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey said it was out of the Vietnamese tradition, 
So, so they bring different things to the lectures than a lot of the TCM. And then, um, you know, you've got a a whole international group and it's really interesting to hear what people are doing. Uh, yeah. And not, not to mention, the proceedings are always great. To have a beer with Phil Rogers is, is an awesome experience. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i can imagine can imagine you're welcome well thanks so much it was it was uh very enlightening you have a different sort of practice than most i think you know the the idea of uh someone doing strictly acupuncture and herbs or or at least holistic medicine is more of a rarity now than it used to be there used to be well, well, that could be true. It just seems like the uh, most most that I run uh, across are involved in a traditional practice. You know that it's being offered, you know, as part of a traditional practice yeah, rather than a it's, um, holistic. I only. worry about a little bit about the future because if you have a huge vet school loan, you you can't spend another five thousand dollars and and you know go take the IVAS course or you know, take the herb course or whatever it is right now. You know, it's not that it isn't worth it, but it's, it's a big expense. And then the double, double continuing education. Yes. Yeah. You know, because everybody does need their conventional CE as well as, as their holistic CE is. Yeah, I get it. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.